Hi, Mark. Hey, Elaine. I would like to talk to you about a podcast that you mentioned to me in the car the other day that I have subsequently gone and looked up and now want to chat to you about. Is this about the dolphin? It is about the dolphin. (laughs) I'm not sure I should say what I want to say about this. I don't think you should either. Let me guide us through it. You and I are people who listen to a lot of podcasts. Today, I've just counted up. Today, I've listened to 10 podcasts today. And I listen to podcasts about true crime. I listen to podcasts about film and TV. I listen to podcasts about people who've had tragedy in their life. I'll have a lovely line in lived experience tragedy because I really like listening to how people have come through things. Okay. And then I listen to some weird stuff as well. You listen to um, sports podcasts and wrestling podcasts. And so we, between the two of us, we listen to a lot of podcasts. I think we've mentioned that quite a lot on the pod. And so we get to hear a lot of adverts. And I had heard this advert a few times, but until you'd mentioned it to me, it hadn't quite sunk into my psyche. And there's this advert about a podcast about a dolphin. But the reason that it... it sort of grabbed both of our attention I think was that the incident with the dolphin that the podcast was about was based in Amble which is in Northumberland which is really not far from us and it's a place that we go quite regularly it's got a beautiful marina and there's some lovely walks around it and you have to run through the town to get cash for the car park (laughs) yeah and they sell nice sausage rolls (laughs) at the Geordie Banger company that's got a pod there yeah if like us you don't carry cash and haven't for a number of years but also we've got a blue badge so we often don't have to pay because usually people with blue badges don't have to pay but um we ended up in a car park where blue badge holders still had to pay but also you had to pay with money yeah (laughs) and for the life of us we could not find even 50p in the car there was just just no money no no money we are people who have things on phones and on cards and so you had to run through the town of Anvil to find a cash point that worked yes which was difficult there was there was one that was empty and then I decided to run up the road to find another one and then I had to break that note by going to Tesco and buying some chocolate and a bottle of Cook. See, it's a podcast just in itself, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Six-parter. Finding enough to break a tenner into, like, enough that I had pound fifty for the car park, but not enough that, yeah. So, yeah, that, that was a fun day. So it's clearly grabbed our attention that there's this podcast that they keep going. Because at the beginning of this, this advert for the podcast, and the podcast called Hooked on Freddy, they say, the town of Amble. And then they say something like, it's dark and... and and essentially sort of paint Amble as this like awful backwards town, which I take offence at. And that was the bit that I was most sort of like going, oh, they're really like being horrible about Amble, which is a lovely place to go and I'm sure to live. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful seaside town, village. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, got, it's got a lovely market on. Like you say, it's got Geordie Bangers. When with... are we going to get to the inappropriate <laughs> relationship with the dolphin? Yeah, I'm, I'm building to it, I'm building to it. And that's as nice as I can put it. <laughs> So you said to me, have you heard this advert for a podcast about this dolphin and a man who was accused of, and I'm going to put it nicely, interfering with the dolphin? Yeah, I right? used a different word, didn't you I? You did use a different word, which I'm not going to do. I don't really want that to... the dolphin? That's yeah. what I said. Yeah, and so you were quick, because it is sort of like, 
this sort of mystery, isn't it? The advert's like, oh, in Amber, and this, this something happened, and then everyone, there was a frenzy, and... Scandal broke over yeah, his relationship it. with a dolphin. Yeah. Which sounds like he's yeah. freed Willy. Yes. Thank you, Mark. Lovely. And I said, oh, yeah, I've heard that, but I thought it was a mockumentary. The way that the advert, the tone of the advert, I thought, well, A, I've lived up here all my life, and I haven't heard anything about a dolphin. And B, the tone of it just was a little bit, not quite, you know, almost like it was made up. Anyway, I'm here to tell you, Mark, that it is true. There was a man, it's 1990, there was a man in 1990 who was accused of doing a bad thing to a dolphin. I feel quite bad now. Underwater. I don't think this is I don't think this is like nice now. No, no, it isn't. It isn't at all. But obviously it's an accusation and it changed that person's life and there's seems to be some sort of theories about whether someone had reported that because of you know, like in the nineties, veganism and animal rights wasn't quite as well known or talked about or, you know I think in the 90s, obviously, you didn't have vegan um, prets, for example. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't a, a more mainstream thing. You said vegan, you think swampy. Yeah, yeah I think that's right. So, I mean... At I the time, obviously. Like, <laughs> not now. I haven't listened to this podcast, but I just thought I would tell you that I went and looked it up. And it is actually real. It's not, like, a fake podcast. So, yeah, there's one one to listen to. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it because I'm from round here. This is sort of like, I should know this story. I'm a little bit confused. I mean, I would have been 10. So maybe I wasn't quite in the market for looking in the news for this sort of thing. It's obviously bypass me. I mean, I think they probably kept that quiet around the playgrounds. Yeah, of, uh... maybe. Yeah, it's not the sort of thing that they're going to, you know, launch into in school. Oh, by the way, have you seen this news report? Anyway, there you go. It's real. I think our listeners preferred our wrestling intros. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. <laughs> what have we got this week? Um, well, you say you want to keep this short because you're <laughs> going to cry over what's just happened on Strictly a few minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Um, spoilers for, for Strictly Come Dancing. I mean, it'll have happened, but it's happened now. So it's Yeah, happened but ju- just in case anyone hasn't caught up, some people like don't watch it for a couple of days but anyway yeah i think it's fair to put a spoiler warning but yeah my beloved the the greatest man on earth <laughs> les dennis is out of strictly so there's part of me that's slightly relieved you know there is part of me that's like because i can't watch him because i feel I, I feel too close to the whole thing <laughs> your face but it's like you know as you... close as the man with the no, dolphin no or... thank you thank you very much but you know, it's a bit like it just—it's a bit too too much for me to see him every week. Um, so it that's yeah, put that in a box. But also desperately, desperately sad because I think he had a lot to give, and I think he could have gone on a lovely journey. And like, like his family were there, and his lovely family and everything. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking about it now. He was crap though, wasn't he? It, he look, he's a man in his sixties. Yes. Who he has not gone to stage school like a many many of the other people in the show. I mean the. And also the performances in Strictly at the moment are just way beyond what we used to get. 
everyone was Les Dennis at one point in time. Yeah. You know, and they were all, oh, it's week one, it's week two. You've got, you know, everyone was getting fours and fives. And you would have to get to sort of like week six and seven to get anywhere near an eight or a nine. And they're chucking the nines around on a Saturday night now. But, you know, a lot of these people have, have are in musical theatre or stage perform. you know... I think it's a very different type of person to a person who was known mainly in the 80s and 90s for his comedy rather than for his dancing, I would say. And they did give him a tango and a samba, which, I mean, I a know. tango, not so bad, but a samba. Well, a like... samba, and I did, th- I think that is, I think it is really cruel, actually. I think they were obviously setting him up for comedy, which is what he does, and they were very kind and talked about his entertainment, but I do think there is. it is a shame that you don't give him a beautiful ballroom dance where you could see some quality of the, the movement and maybe, you know, no one likes a samba, honestly. No one likes a samba. So to give him that is very difficult. The moves are hard. Anyway, I don't want to think about it too much. It makes me very sad. Oh, okay. What, telly, what have we got for telly? Well, I've got Wilderness. Okay. What have you got? I've got Ahsoka on Disney Plus. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then film, what have we got? Uh, I've got Dumb Money, and then we've both got, got a haunting in Venice. Venice. Yes. I'm so excited to talk to you about that. Right, telly. Watching television, watching television. I'll go first. Good, because I've forgotten what you're going to talk about. <laughs> I'm talking about wilderness. I was going to go. What is it again? Now, you were watching Wilderness when I... Did I come downstairs for something? Or you were watching it by yourself? Or did I... Was it sort of a random... It must have been a random point in time that you were watching it because you then mentioned it afterwards saying, oh, that's when you kind of like came in the room and interrupted me. I don't remember that. Do you not? (laughs) Anyway, you've been watching Wilderness by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is on the recommendation of my driving instructor, ah. of all people. Um, Wilderness is the story of a couple who, British couple, who move to New York. He, played by Oliver Jackson Cohen, who... Did you ever watch The Invisible Man, the new one? No. No, he's the baddie in that. Oh, okay. He's this high-flying financial... I don't even know if his thing is mentioned. Mm-hmm. He's a city trader-esque. He's a one of them. Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he marries Jenna Coleman. As he would. As I would, definitely. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> um, who is a waitress, um, who he meets on a night out. She's serving drinks to his party of city chums. <laughs> they are in a club. She is serving them. He ends up going out with her, marrying her, and then he gets a job in New York. So she is left with not a lot to do around New York. She then finds a text message on his phone, which is very lewd. She points it out to him, throws him out. It indicates that while he's been away, he's not necessarily been working. He's been seeing other people. He begs her to take him back. And as part of that, they go on a trip across America. Hilarity ensues. Or, is no. that sarcasm? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like hilarity lends you when it's called wilderness. No, she is plotting. It becomes clear through some flashbacks and we had done two timelines of before she finds out or before, before the moment where she confronts him about it. And 
than the time when they are away. And things happen. I'm two episodes into this. There's four left. I'm still trying to work out what what the point of this is. It just feels very basic. I mean, everyone in this is great. But I'm just... It's missing something that's driving the plot. Do you think that it will transpire after a few more episodes? If you're saying it... As soon as you said, oh, there's flashbacks and there's plotting, that would... Um, what's the word that I would like? You know, when you've got a fishing like hook you in. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've hooked again. So that would hook me in. I would be thinking, all oh, right, okay, I'm going to have to put the jigsaw together of what's happened with her and does he know about that, you know, from what you've said. Yeah, but it doesn't, it's still, I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. The flashbacks haven't necessarily revealed anything to me yet. Okay. Um, There is... The the weirdest thing is that Olivia Coleman is doing a Welsh accent, which she does perfectly fine. But I Jenna don't... Coleman. Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Jenna Coleman. Olivia Coleman would come out I of nowhere. She was like she? a mum yeah. or something. Yeah. Okay, so she's doing a Welsh. Jenna Coleman doing a mm-hmm. Welsh accent. I think she's isn't Jenna Coleman. Doesn't she have a Welsh background? I don't know. I'm sure she does. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm absolutely sure she does. I mean, she's not Welsh though, is no, she? No, she's not Welsh, but I think she has a Welsh family connection kind of a weird thing to do though like a strong Welsh accent okay. didn't doesn't feel necessary right I think there's nothing to add to it her mum is Welsh in this and she has a oh, very well, strange relationship with her mum <laughs> okay but is it Olivia Colman no it's not no no that'd be weird but yeah it's it's perfectly fine fluff this and this is 100% fluff um, it's on Amazon Prime the six episodes they're about 45 minutes to an hour long it, I'm not. It's not, probably not going to be in my top ten of the year. If it is, something's either gone very right or very wrong, mm-hmm. shall we say? But yeah, it's all right, and I kind of almost didn't want to talk about it because it is just all right. Like, mm-hmm. there's more fun to talk about really good things or really shit things. So, I feel my Ahsoka review is going to be along exactly the same lines because I feel the same way. I wasn't sure whether to bring it up on the pod because. I don't think I'm going to have much to add to the conversation about it. I'm exactly the same as you in that I'm watching it, I'm going along, I'm sort of sitting with the episodes, but I just feel a bit meh about it all. Are you still watching it? Yeah, I'm still watching it. Um, So Ahsoka is the latest in these in many, many of the Star Wars TV shows. So recently we had The Mandalorian, um, and then we had um, Kenobi. Book of Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett, and so this is the latest. And we've had Andor, which was superb. And because Andor was so good, I thought, right, I'm going to give this Ahsoka a try. I had seen the character of Ahsoka pop up in... I, th- I don't, can't remember if it was The Mandalorian or The Book of Boba Fett, but essentially... It might the, be. With those people. It's one of them. It's, it yeah. might have been Obi-Wan Kenobi or whatever she, it's called. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. She pops up at so- some point in, in one of those shows. And she's a big character from the Clone Wars animated yes. series. Um, or Rebels. And Rebels, yeah. yeah. I've not seen the animated series. I've not seen Rebels. So I come to it afresh. But obviously, I know my Star Wars generally, and I can follow it. And because, like I say, I really enjoyed Andor. I just thought, I'm going to give it a go. I really like Rosario Dawson. I didn't know who else was going to pop up in this series. And sometimes I feel like I need to watch them so that I can follow other programs. Do you know what I mean? Like, you almost feel like you need to watch it 
so that when they pop up again in other ones you can sort of go oh okay I kind of know what's what's going on I think that's kind of what's happened now with Star Wars is I feel that I have to watch it almost like with the Marvel TV shows I have to watch it if I want to be in the know when it comes to films and when it comes to other TV shows so anyway I, I thought right I'll I'll give it a go most of the episodes are, you know, sort of like 45 minutes-ish anyway. So it's not like you're there for hours and hours on, on end. The weird thing about Ahsoka is that given that the the show is called the character's name, you don't really get to know much about Ahsoka as, as a character. I don't feel I know her any better than when I saw her in one of those episodes in the shows that we've just mentioned. I don't feel that there's been a particular journey. I don't have any extra information. I think it looks beautiful. There's some gorgeous cinematography. There's some gorgeous filming. There are some interesting characters. Uh, Ray Stevenson's character, um, Balan Skull, who um is like this almost like a fallen jedi you know he's he's sort of in between the two he's not a sith but he's not a jedi we don't know who he is he's really really intriguing because he sits between the, those two worlds and i think there's also an added uh, well sad a sad obviously a sadness yeah. but an added sort of poignancy to it in that Ray Stevenson died course, yeah. um, recently as well, which is such a like he's so young and it looks so well and it's you you every time you watch him you think oh god I, you know were you to be here to see the affection that people have and also the praise that you're getting for this performance it's actually it is really 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 sad actually when when you see him and every time I see him I think oh is this the last time he's going to be on screen. Um, so there are characters like that that are really interesting, but week on week, I'm not... I mean, if I stopped watching it now, it would just go away, float out of my brain, and I wouldn't really think about it yeah. much more. It's definitely better than Kenobi. I know that. But I mean, it's not... Well, as, yeah, I know. Damn with faint prayers. But it's not at the levels of Andor, or one that you've seen, because you didn't see Andor, um... Or, you know, those initial... The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Baby Yoda. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There isn't that. But, you know, it, it's, you know, sometimes it sort of feels like a sort of a fanfic. Something that's been made by some very, very good people with lots and lots of money. Yeah. But is just sort of off to the side. And I can't quite place place it. So the reason I've not got into this and I used to watch all these Star Wars stuff and I'd be like day one screenings and stuff like that is I just don't give a fuck Mm -hmm. like tell me like what do I, I don't really care about Asuka and I'm not going to watch Ahsoka, yeah sorry Asuka's a wrestler (laughs) I don't care about Ahsoka Um, and because I'm not going to sit through seven series of animated series just to understand no. why I need to watch this and absolutely nothing I've seen of this like nothing of the trailer because it's always on at the cinema um, has indicated to me that there's any story that I should be interested in around this I, I, I mean I think Disney Plus are really really in danger of getting lazy with these things give me a plot give me a give me a pitch that makes me want to spend eight hours of my life with you 
And they haven't so far with this. No. Um, so I, yeah. I, I do think it's very much targeted as people who have that background because you're not given anything for you to as a new a newbie to hang your hat on so when you, the whole plot is there's a grand admiral that um is at risk of coming back from a far off galaxy and this grand admiral is very bad because he's from the days of sort of Darth Vader and that that sort of thing so going back to the original trilogy but because I've never heard of this grand admiral before he's not mentioned in the original original trilogy they're going on about the clone wars which obviously you know you haven't seen the animated series it, it just it just feels weird it you you're not if you're someone who's coming to it new you think well who is this person why should i be scared of them and there's also some other people who have been cast off into mysterious galaxies and some of the main characters really want to be with them again but of course you've never met them so ha- why why should you be invested in them all being back together again it's yeah i think the i mean the big problem for me i mean is the fact that they've made the Star Wars universe so disposable. Like, it used to be that when a Star Wars film came out, even if it was the in-between things, I we used to be there first week. Like, the Rogue One I really enjoy. Yeah, great. Solo I really, really despised. Mm, um, yeah, that was fine. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, but I was there first, first day, like, or certainly first weekend. Now I just don't mm. care. And that takes... With, I, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan in the world, but I certainly... I'm above average, I'd say. And to turn me into something where I'm not even bothered to yeah, even touch on even... the first episode, it takes I'm some... I'm really surprised. It really takes some doing from Disney. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. But anyway... Yeah. Well, yeah. Stri- Strictly wins this week then. <laughs> on the TV. From... Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> apparently so. Saturday night at the movies Who cares what picture you see when you're with your baby, let's roll in the balcony. Do you want to do your film first and then we'll uh, finish with A Haunting in Venice because we've yes. both seen that? Yeah. Okay, so Dumb Money is the story of the Wall Street Bets GameStop fiasco. <laughs> How much do you know about this? Well, I know about it because you told me about it at the time. Okay. So it's only because you were really interested in what was going on on Reddit and because you're interested in sort of like stocks and shares and finance, that you were telling me about this because I remember this is sort of 2020, 2021, is it? 2021, yeah. Yeah, so this is height of pandemic where people, you know, we're going through lots and lots of lockdowns and particularly where we are in the UK, our region was really, really locked down. We were on like one of the highest tiers. Oh God, do you remember so, tiers? God, yes, I, I do that. remember tiers. Remember it very well. And so we weren't even allowed to, you know, leave the vicinity, the area. People weren't allowed to come into our region, you yeah. know. Um, so at the time, we found ourselves reading a lot and looking at the internet a lot. And you would, you would tell me about things like this GameStop event. So whilst I don't understand the ins and outs of it, and I don't think I ever will when it deals with things like options and finance, and it's it's never going to be something that I'm going to get my head around. I remember you saying to me, oh, there's, there's a bunch of people on the internet who are doing things within the financial markets within America around this company that is essentially if if i'm right in thinking it's almost like an equivalent of 
game would be here, yeah. which is just shopping a, center, a shop. Shopping center game store yeah. is basically it. You know, and you have them across the the um, across the region, and they're in like big uh, big. Uh, Store center, you know, like Malls. what do you call that's it? <laughs> store centers. Store centers, yeah. yeah I know. So yeah, you see them popping up all over the place in, um, in these sorts of places. But and you were saying it was almost like the regular man or woman was able to affect what was happening, and, and employees were being able to affect what was happening. And I think that was the bit that really caught everyone's attention was that it was people on Reddit or people on the internet and people who are doing very, very long YouTube videos teaching other people how to how to do things. Because I think at the time you were looking at it, weren't you? And I, I think if it had been over here, you might have been one of those people. This is me, you know, I'm going to ask you the question. I think you, you might have been one of those people who actually dabbled in this. And I know you wouldn't be putting our life savings in there but you know you might have just had a bit of a go to see if you could have made some money out of it absolutely not no 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 no, i thought this would be absolutely your thing no no um why not wait can i talk about the film and then i'll because (laughs) this this plays into this yeah uh, yeah so this is the story of keith gill who was the guy he's a financial analyst who looked at the gamestop stock said Okay, so Wall Street, like the big Wall Street banks are betting against it. They've bet on this to fail, essentially. Mm, yeah, because it was going to go under, right? Yeah. Well, it, no, it wasn't going to go under. Oh, okay. But there were a lot of Wall Street banks and hedge funds that were had put put a type on bet, which, which meant you gained money if the stock went down. Right. He looked at the bet, at the stock and said, okay, so... It's a place that sells video games, and that is that business is moving to online now. So you can buy a game through your Xbox or your PlayStation without having to go into a store. But there's still a significant amount of people who prefer to buy games in a store. So he looks at the stock, said, okay, so I can understand the challenges, but I think it's undervalued, and did a video about it. And the internet caught on to this, so he put a lot of money into it. A lot of other people caught onto his videos and followed it and this is the story of how the stock kept on going up and a lot of people made a lot of money from it um paul danner plays keith gill which is absolutely perfect casting for this um shailene woodley plays his wife and i love shailene woodley from big little lies and everything like that um this has got an absolutely amazing cast um so the the big wall street guys are vincent d'onofrio nick offerman Seth Rogen. It's good casting. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And then what we also get is we get the story of other people, normal people who get onto the stock with them and follow their journey. So um, Anthony Ramos, who's from... But, um, oh, Hamilton. Hamilton. I was just thinking I could see him in my mind dancing. And, and in America, the Heights. Oh, sorry. In the Heights, yeah. yeah. Well, but America Ferrera's in this as well. America Ferrera is also in this. Um, Mahala Herald from Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, great. I really enjoyed that. And Talia Ryder from um, Never Sometimes. What's it called? Um, I don't think you've seen this. Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Okay. Which was one of my favourite films of 2020. Um, all play people who are in on this. With a cast like that, it would be really tough for this to be a bad film because they are brilliant presences on screen and 
they yeah and you enjoy seeing them on screen pete davidson is also in this oh okay he's not full on pete davidson he's fine he's a little bit pete davidson and he wasn't the worst thing in this um on that note, Sebastian Stan plays the owner of the Robin Hood app, which is what it was a it's a fee free um, investment app, which a lot of the people used at the time. Um, Rushi Kota, who is an actor I didn't know, also plays his co owner. Every time they went on screen, I was like, oh god, these guys again. But anyway, for ninety nine percent of this, this is absolutely fine to watch. The problem this has is. It has absolutely nothing to say at all about it. It is literally the Wikipedia page on screen. A man does a video, people buy into it, they make money, some of them get out, some of them don't. Um, I have quite some serious problems with this film, and it's it's problems that I know a little bit about this. So, the Wall Street Bets is an absolutely toxic environment, and I know that from where I was. It is in Cell City... And they show quite a lot of the memes that came out of this stock. And the R word is used very liberally. Okay. And at one point, the, the Reddit site gets shut down. And the people are like, oh, well, oh, yeah, well, I mean, it's a bit hit. Yeah, but it's always been like that. Um, the people are trying to shut it down. Like, you're all trying to be really nice people. I know there's absolute mm-hmm. dickheads who are in there. And I don't think any, I don't think Keith Gill necessarily was that. It didn't seem to be from what I've seen of him. But there are absolute incels who post horrible things on there that I know will have made money on this. Mm. And it's it's a shame that they didn't go into how much of a toxic environment this was. I feel that's a big thing that's missing. Okay. The second thing is that I feel there are a lot of people doing a lot of very, very questionable financial decisions around this. Um, this film was preceded by a message from the Financial Conduct Authority giving warnings about trusting advice online and making doing your own research and things like this. It was before the before the title cards, so it wasn't part of the film, but okay. it was played certainly in my showing and, and I suspect in others. In no. front of a film, yeah. There are people putting their life savings into a stock that's been recommended by a man on the internet and I have a moral issue. <laughs> As I'm saying this, I'm just hearing someone going, fucking nerd. <laughs> but I've got a moral issue that you don't show. Like, you show everyone all happy that they're making this money. And then at the end, someone doesn't Someone doesn't get out in time and loses the money. But they're still happy that they did it. Okay. And now they're in debt. Mm. Um, yeah. Like, you need to show that this, that the people, what people were doing here was reckless. And... Some people made a lot of money out of it, but you need to separate the decision, the good, the, the good outcome from the bad decision. Um, if I I could take all our money down and put it on the three o'clock at Kempton, and that could make us millions, but it wouldn't be a good decision. <laughs> it would be a good outcome. Um, and yeah, I I have real problems with that. Like as someone who knows a little bit about the stock market, mm-hmm. and I don't think this is anywhere near encouraging how it is. It also doesn't even show. I don't think this goes into a reason as to why this was a thing that caught on. We see Keith Gill and Paul Dano making these videos, and then all of a sudden we cut to America Ferreira going, oh, there's this guy online who's... But I don't understand why this. Um, 
it's very well made. The people around the, you know, the thing that everyone points out is that everyone's wearing masks apart from the Wall Street guys. I mean, the fact that everyone's pointed that out before I'd listened to it made it a little bit obvious. But, you know, like, it's if that's the one thing it's got, and it isn't the one thing it's got, but that's the one thing everyone points out, and I think it's like, I feel everyone came up with that idea and then took the lunch, <laughs> went to lunch and never came back and had a few drinks and like, yeah, it's a great idea. It's a fine film. It's a it's an easy watch, but I have I have more problems with it than what is on screen, mm. and that is baggage that I take with me. And it raises a really interesting point, isn't it? Because this is not a documentary. This is a feature film. It raises the question of what what responsibility does a filmmaker have to its audience? So in this instance the question would be does the filmmaker have a responsibility to the audience to warn them about the perils of poor financial choices so i mean and the number of people who go into this film and think fucking hell, i'm gonna get on reddit and um put some put my uh put that ten thousand pounds that my granddad left me into in, in into a stock will be more than zero. Okay. Um, because that is how this is... Pre- uh, to me, that was how this was presented, and I have a I have an issue with that. I don't know if this carries similar warnings in other screenings and in uh, you know, the countries of the world, but yeah. I it's a weird feeling to come that's, out of. That's really, really interesting. That is not what I thought you were going to come out with this film. I thought you were going to love this film because I know that you were really interested in what was happening at the time, and I know you have an interest in, in these things. I really, really wanted to go and see it, and wanting to see it at the cinema, but I haven't been able to find a screening that is that works for what we've yeah. got going on. I'm less likely to go and see it now that you've said it's almost like, you know, if I read the Wikipedia page, would I... It's nice people you know, doing nice things yeah, on yeah, screen. Yeah. and um, So it's not one that I desperately need to go and sit in the cinema. I learned, I, I learned okay. nothing from this okay. on the thing. But I knew a bit about it beforehand. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. it's... Yeah. That's a, that is so not what I thought you were going to say about this about this film. Well, a fascinating opinion as well because it's very different to the things that I've been hearing on other reviews. Not that everyone's been coming out yeah. with a glowing review. I'm not saying that, but just the way that you've looked at it, I think, is really unique. Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> Now I'm wondering how you're going to feel about A Haunting in Venice, which is good because I've seen that one and you've seen that one so we can talk about it together. I went to see it first and then you did a double bill because you went to see Dumb Money and A Haunting in Venice. So A Haunting in Venice first. Did you see it first? Okay, well that's interesting. Okay. Um, So this is the latest in the Kenneth Branagh Poirot series. So we had Murder on the Orient Express. Then uh, a couple of years ago, we had Death on the Nile, uh, which had a strange um, presentation because it featured Army Hammer. And that was also a pandemic film as well, wasn't released. um, Didn't uh, have a lot going for it. Didn't have it. Lots of things were were happening there. Um, I didn't even know there was going to be another Poirot coming out from... Ken Branagh and also I think this is produced by Ridley Scott as well so from that sort of house I did not know that this w- was coming out there were there were pic- there was a, a picture like a print a poster 
in our local independent cinema, the Tyneside Cinema, and it just had almost like a skull or, you know, it was all black. And then there was, I'm, I'm presuming it was skull, that's all I can remember, in the centre with like a haunting, there we go, my mark showing it to me, so it is a skull, um, a haunting in Venice. Not Ken Brunner, not Poirot, no moustache, no little grey cells, no Agatha Christie. I didn't realise it was a Poirot film until the trailer came on. And even with the trailer, because it was presented as a, a ghost story, which Poirot isn't necessarily known for and Agatha Christie certainly isn't, that's not really her raison d'etre. Mm. I, I still was a bit confused about it. And then suddenly it was out at the cinema. I was not going to go and see this film because okay. as soon as I saw the trailer, I thought I'm not going to be able to sit through it. It's so <laughs> scary. There were jump scares in the trailer. It's all about ghosts and ghost stories. And obviously, as the title suggests, it's haunting um, in, in Venice, funnily enough. But I thought, you know what? It looks intriguing. I want I want to see the next Poirot. I, I, I want to see what it's like. I love the 1970s and 80s Poirot films. I love Death on the Nile, Murder on the Orient Express, not so much, um, but I love A Place in the Sun, which is one of the lesser known Poirot adaptations. It's not called A Place in the Sun. Isn't Oh God, we've done this before, haven't we? <laughs> yes. What is it? We've it... done this before. We've been through this on the podcast before. Yeah. Why can I never get this right? It's definitely got sun in it and it's got Diana Rigg in it, lying on a beach quite happily with that big owl. You carry on, I'll look it oh, up. Oh, thanks. Um, what is what is wrong with my brain that that is just so instilled in Anyway, so I love the 70s and 80s performers. I love The Mirror Cracked with Angela Lansbury as Miss Marple. So those, those are my bag. These modern adaptations, I just haven't... Evil Under the Sun. Evil, Evil Under, under the Sun. You don't even have to look it up. There it is. Evil Under the Sun. It's come back to me. Um... So yeah, modern adaptations, even with all their glossiness, and I, I think I like the slightly rubbishy versions in the in the earlier years. But I thought, right, I'm going to go and say this because I don't know the story. I don't know the book that it's based on. I think it's called A Halloween Party or Halloween Party by Christie. I don't know the book. I don't know the story. Let's go and see if I can work out who the murderer is. And I didn't expect to particularly enjoy it. And I thought that I would struggle with the narrative, with it being all ghouly ghosties. And I have to say, I really liked it. <laughs> I really, really liked it. And I'm so chuffed. I'm so chuffed. There were three moments where I had to close my eyes and pretend I was not in the cinema because the <laughs> build-up of tension and the about-to-be-a-jump-scare or something's going to be in the corner of your eye or just the creepiness of it I couldn't cope anymore and I was only in the cinema with a few people <laughs> and I sat at the back and I genuinely had to close but sometimes when I get scared I like avert my eyes but I can still see a bit of the screen I couldn't even see a bit of the screen with this I couldn't cope with that so I close my eyes and I often have to put my fingers in my ears, but I managed not to do that. I just closed my eyes and waited for the moment to be over and then open my eyes again. Um, so there were moments that I found difficult because I'm a massive scaredy cat. And I'm going to be really, really honest. I knew who the murderer was within about half an hour. 
But I really enjoyed the ride. I really liked seeing Poirot in Venice. This is a, a slightly older Poirot. This is post-World War Two. He's got Tina Fey's Ariadne Oliver, um, who's who's a, a novelist. It's clearly Christie writing herself into the books, um, who writes murder mysteries and has based her murder mysteries on Poirot. Tina Fey playing this very sort of... Um, quick-witted American, really lovely dialogue between between the two of them. A, a cast of... I mean, you've got Jamie Dornan, you've got Kelly Riley, you've got... You've got um, why am I... Can't I remember anyone else? <laughs> Tell me other people who are in this film. Um, you've got the young lad from Belfast. You've got Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. Ricardo Scamasio. Yes. Um, who is the bad guy from John Wick Chapter 2. Yes. Uh, Camille Cotton, I think her name is. That's another lady. So you know, you've you've got a brilliant cast. Emma Laird. Emma Laird, yes. Um, and th- there's so much to recommend about it. I think. Um, and I just went along for the ride. I just, I really, really liked it. And I thought, oh, if they did another one where maybe I didn't know the story, and it was lesser known. Maybe I would enjoy it a, a bit more. Maybe it just had to be something that I just hadn't known forever and forever and could see other actors in, in the parts. Massively, massively intrigued as to what you think about it because you don't have the baggage that I have with these films. How did you find it? I really, really didn't like this. Oh, no. Oh, Bob. And I don't... I do actually know exactly what word. I think it was a very... For me, it felt like a very middling horror with Poirot shoehorned into it. Um, there are acts in this that I really like, like Tina Fey, that I just could not stand. And I don't know what it was about them. I I knew who the, I knew who the killer was. Nearly said who it was. <laughs> I knew... And I also... And I knew the conceit... As yes, well. so did I. I think mm. I'm, I'm... Well, I know I'm warmer on Murder on the Orient Express and even Death on the Nile than most people are. I think... Yeah. <laughs> I've just done a face, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, even Death on the Nile, I quite enjoyed spending time with those characters despite the... Fill the Nile full of champagne <laughs> and, um, and, <laughs> and army hammer of it yeah, all. Yeah. But I didn't know what was happening on them. Yes, because you wouldn't have known yeah. the the plot at all. Mm. I in this I knew the conceits, I knew I that I yeah, I I I want to go into more mm. of this, but I got most of the reveals. I think that most of the set pieces the the things where things are revealed are so obviously signposted. Like someone will say, "Oh, wow, this is something that definitely will be needed later in yeah, the film." Yeah, I, I do know that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the whole power of it felt like. Do you ever watch Happy Days? Yeah, Sunday, Monday, Happy. Monday. Do you ever watch Happy Days when Mork came on it and it was like? Oh. oh no! He said, and I can't cope with that sort of thing. That was it's exactly how it felt. And, like yeah, the merging of two worlds. Yeah, it just mm. felt like yeah. Okay. It just felt like it was he didn't belong in that story to me, right. and I can't like obviously I don't understand why that is the case. 
Well, actually, I do. Because it's either the storytelling's bad from the director or the original source material's bad. And I'm going to back the greatest mystery writer of all time <laughs> well, over the director of Artemis Fowl. I, this is very, very loosely based on the story. I think they've maybe taken a few character names, but as far as I'm aware, the plotting, you know, the, 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 all of that sort of thing, I think is, is quite far away from, from the book. They've just sort of taken the ideas from it. And I'm 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 sad that you didn't. I can understand why you didn't enjoy it because I think if you're coming to it without that baggage and without that love of the character and the people and kind of knowing how it all works, and I really love a murder mystery. I know you do as well, and I don't mind a plot by numbers murder mystery because I really like it when I when I can be superior and I can sit in the cinema going, I know who it is. I think it's the difference <laughs> between you is. and me. Yeah. I I. <laughs> I don't care who the who the person who did it is. I just want the reveal of. I, I I'm more interested about why they did it than who did it. In a lot of cases, like same with Scream. Like I don't care who's the guy with the ghost face on. I okay. just care about why they did it and if if that ties in with the rest of the film. In this, I a didn't care and b saw exactly what was happening. I really enjoyed Branagh's direction, I have to say. I know that you're talking about him being the director of Ultimate Spell. I didn't enjoy Belfast at all, as Maybe you, know, you should spend more time but... with your head on a angle like this. Yeah, I really like um, it. Like I the know. fucking Batman yeah, I know, episode. I didn't mind that at all. I thought at least it was something different rather than, you know, like Death on the Nile. And it was just, here we are in a big CGI. We're not really on the Nile. Whereas, if you watch the um the seventies adaptation, you you are on a boat. You know you're on a boat. You know you're at the pyramids. You know you know they're actually on set. Whereas with the more modern adaptations, you can just feel that you're it's a big boat in the middle of a, a you know green a, a building with a green screen around it. And so I really enjoyed the fact that we were in Venice. And that you we know, were in a haunted house, house yeah, in Venice. Yeah, but I enjoyed that. I really, I felt the house was um, a character in the film. The really. house could be in Basildon. <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> it didn't feel like that to me. I, I went along with, even if it wasn't Basildon, I went along with the fact that it was in Venice. I wasn't thinking I saw really in a Venice. haunting in Bracknell. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm sad that you didn't like it as much as me. I'm not, not devastated. I'm actually probably more a bit devastated about your review of the money because I really I wanted you to enjoy that film because I know that you had read up a lot about it at, at the time. So it would have been nice for that for you to come away going, oh wow, this was amazing. Um, I'm I'm less worried about you not in, enjoying this one, but yeah, it's it's a it. I don't think you're going to be having sleepless nights about the fact that you didn't think it was a four-star film like I think it is. Oh, no, it's two-star for me. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I don't think it's two, darling. A haunting in Medlemsley Road concert. <laughs> okay, thank you. Are you just going to come up with that all night now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once, yeah. Well, like, literally, once the podcast's off, <laughs> I will be just listing middling, <laughs> middling towns and where they could have set this. You know, before we put the pod on, you said to me, Oh, you know, looking forward to talking about Haunting in Venice because no one else is. And that's, it's a weird thing, isn't it? It just hasn't seemed to, and I know that'll buy into your review, but no one really seems to be talking about this. I thought there'd be spoiler specials. I thought there would be, you know, and I, 
I haven't seen anyone apart from the movie Robcast, who their episode came out today and they are covering it. And I know you haven't. I didn't want to, to listen it, to that until to I'd done this. So yeah, I mean, I'm really interested and to see. Commodore yeah. Mayo um, have covered it briefly, and I think Empire will have covered it briefly as well. But that's kind of it. I just you know? think no one wanted this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted this because I really enjoyed Death on the Nile. Yeah. I am the one person who did, apparently. Yeah. Apart from it being the one last deposit in Army Hammer's uh, bank balance uh, as an actor, but yeah, um, this has to be it for this this franchise. Oh no! Surely. I, think, I think Evil Under. The, I'm sure Evil Under the Sun will be. Uh, Evil Under the Sun's a real fun one as well. There's a lot of comedy in it, so maybe now he's done a bit of ghostly horror, he can come back and, yeah, and do that. No fucker's gone to see this, honey. Hmm. <laughs> It really is no one I mean, being like, the, the, is it a box the, office? Is it just a flop? Like, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a flop, but like, no one's there is absolutely no buzz about this. Okay, let's have a look at the box office. I know that the week it came out was the worst, um, the worst performing week at the box office, just generally, and, like for, for years. It was the first oh, time okay. nothing had grossed over. I mean, there were only like X amount, four people know. in my screening. Oh, so I mean, it's made. I mean, I don't. It depends what the budget is. It's made eighty nine million worldwide. Okay. I can't imagine it would be massively past that in budget. But you just yeah, but you, you need you need to make yeah. you need to make double at least double what your budget okay, is. Well, we'll be doing right, that then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they might have another one. They might make up for it on um, on streaming and I was about to say on DVD. On DVD, yeah, straight to DVD. DVD for uh, for a Christmas present. Yeah, old Kenneth Branagh's loving his yeah. straight to DVD movies. I hear he's doing the uh, the next um, soccer dog that's or uh, I mean. I uh, bud. Like, if people buy this for like relatives at Christmas or something like that. That's what I mean. Like, might make it up in the in the DVD performances. Right, I'll stop now. <laughs> Just from the look on your face. If I find twenty copies of this in our <laughs> yeah, attic, yeah, yeah, then we're, I'm, we're gonna have a word. Oh well, there'll be certain scenes I still can't watch. I'd rather have it in GameStop. <laughs> so um, okay, uh, let's leave it there. Yeah, that's it for this well, week. thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Um, if you'd like to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram, and I think we're turning down the X, aren't we? Well, we're, we're we're still on Twitter at the moment, but we are considering what we're going to be doing with it i think i'm going to come off it personally um for my my sort of like individual twitter accounts um thinking about coming off it because i'm just it's just not fun anymore um so, but you can find us on instagram where whatever the weather you will be on instagram at the honeymoon pod um forevermore and yeah if you want to leave us a review you can do on apple podcasts or spotify or anyone else where they'll let you leave reviews or put blue star ratings see you later see you later